Public service announcement. I have just temporarily closed the doors to Lifestyle Business School. If you are a current or aspiring expertise-based business that has a business, courses, coaching, masterminds, where you are divorcing your value from your time, or that is the business model that you want, you likely know that Lifestyle Business School is the program that I have been tirelessly working on over the last six months to build out six comprehensive playbooks, which basically lay out the entire path. It has everything from business model design to offer creation, to back-end delivery, to driving traffic, live launch campaigns, automated campaigns, everything you could possibly need to start or grow a leveraged expertise-based business to the lifestyle business sweet spot. Now, never fear because we've only temporarily closed the doors and we have added a wait list. So if you head to lifestylebusiness.school forward slash join, pop your name on the wait list and you are going to be notified when we open up the doors with everything built out, which is super exciting. And all of the exciting changes that we have made to the program as well, which we will share in due course. But in order to get the special VIP bonuses, when we do open the door, I want you to go and pop your name on the wait list now. So that is going to be lifestylebusiness.school forward slash join, put your name on the wait list, and you will be the first to be notified when we open up the doors with everything built out with a lot of exciting changes and with pretty much the best deal under the sun. All right, let's get into today's podcast episode. You're listening to the Stevie Says Social Podcast, episode 19. If you've got big business dreams, but you're feeling stuck when it comes to all things digital, social media, and content marketing, this is the podcast for you. This episode is brought to you by my free 20-page ebook with 100 really practical social media tips for your business. Grab them at steviesayssocial.com forward slash ebook. Hello and welcome to episode 19 of the Stevie Says Social podcast. Today we're talking about how to acquire and retain e-commerce customers using social media. And as you might know, e-commerce isn't something that I normally cover too often. Most of my content is specifically relevant to service-based businesses, although applicable to product-based businesses in different ways. But what I thought I would do today for all of the e-commerce guys and girls is bring you an episode specifically about social media for e-commerce. And because I am not the expert, I have brought in the expert. Today, I am interviewing Lucy Bloomfield. And Lucy was the founder, the startup, the creator of the luxury plant-based sheet mask company. God, say that a few times. Luxury plant-based sheet mask company, uh, Trefiel, which she started in 2015. Now, Lucy's achievements with that company include taking it from zero customers to 10,000 in 18 months and also having a 40% 
return customer rate, which I am told in e-commerce land is quite exceptional. Since then, she's gone on to consult in the e-commerce space and specifically in relation to customer retention and also work on her own personal projects, which basically center around veganism, climate change, and making the world a better place. Today, Lucy and I talk about all things social media for e-commerce businesses, and we cover a lot of content. We go through the three keys you need in order to grow a successful e-commerce business, Instagram influencer marketing and how Lucy used them uh, in relation to Trefiel, and whether it's still worth investing in them. We talk about the importance of building community, uh, Facebook and Instagram advertising strategy, email automation for e-commerce, and in my opinion, the very best part of this podcast, which is the exact priorities that Lucy had in terms of the most important tasks, medium priority and low priority when it came to building Trefiel. And guys, we have an amazing freebie for you today around that. So if you're an e-commerce business, you're going to want to get your hands on this. Lucy has very generously put together a Trello board, which is basically the list of priorities that she used when building Trefiel, all kind of organized into different Trello cards. So head over to steviesayssocial.com forward slash 19 in order to download and get your hands on that. And guys, I am going to stop talking. I'm going to get into the episode now. One thing to keep in mind, you will hear at a couple of stages during this interview, a little bit of muffling, a little bit of kind of duck quacking. (laughs) Hopefully it adds to the atmosphere and it's not too distracting. It is uh, a couple of sound issues that we had and we couldn't unfortunately cut it out, but it will add to the (laughs) ambiance. That's me. Let's get into the episode. Hey, Lucy, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Stevie, I'm so, so glad to be here. And I'm so happy to have you on. I was actually in the Like-Minded Bitches Drinking Wine Facebook group last week, I think it was, and there was somebody in that group that was talking about how they liked all of the podcasts out there that were kind of marketing related, but that there wasn't anything out there that was all about kind of e-commerce and product-based uh, social media. And it kind of just like sparked an idea for uh, having having a podcast on it. And you were just honestly the number one person that I wanted to have on. So I'm so glad that you said yes. Thank you so much. That's a, a huge compliment. Oh, well, let's start by telling us a little bit about your story. Yeah, sure. So my background is actually in tech. I have been designing and building websites since I was about 10 years old. I was a little bit of a dork, I suppose you could call me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And from there, I went into doing front-end design and development and user user interface design, user experience design and programming for a couple of international companies. Awesome. And I did... I did that for a couple of years and then I I suppose you could say that I got sick of having a cushy job and I wanted to see if I could grow an e-commerce business. So So where did the idea come from? It just seems like such a massive jump to go from, I mean, working in tech, obviously, but then to kind of go, you know what, I'm going to go out and do it myself. Um, It's an interesting story, actually. We had a, so my business partner and I had a friend that uh, had started a teeth whitening kit company. And in the first six months, he was turning over hundreds of thousands of dollars using Instagram influencers. Right. Keep in mind that this is two 
2015. So the space was really different to what it is now. Um, but still that, that thought, uh, sort of sparked an idea in me, especially when I saw, you know, the quality of the website, there were spelling mistakes everywhere. Uh. Yeah. And just the overall execution was pretty poor and I thought I could do it better. So I did. What was the process from there? So many people kind of have these pipe dreams of, you know, doing something along those lines, but they have no idea where to start. So the biggest thing, if you don't have a passion, and just as a side note, I wouldn't recommend starting a business where you don't really care about the product because you'll ultimately get to the point where you really need to dig deep and fight and you won't have the passion for it. Yeah. Yeah. But the first step is finding a really great product. And and we were really fortunate in that the first first few samples that we received from manufacturers was our incredible lace face mask. And that was the product that we took to market with some tweaks. And so what was the next step? I guess, you know, you had your business idea and it kicked it off. What was kind of the next step in terms of um, growing? Well, the biggest thing is finding an acquisition channel that works. And, you know, e-commerce is is actually quite a simple business. All you need to do is really handle the inventory management for the physical product, your customer service, and then the marketing channels with which you acquire and retain customers. And for us, it was influencers and Facebook ads. Right. And um, that's that's what took us fairly quickly from zero to 10,000 customers. But I will say like the influencers were a lot more effective than they are now. Right. And so how long ago was that that you were kicking off with influencers? 2015 to 2016 were our biggest influencer marketing years. Yeah, right. The glory days. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, it's still it's still powerful. Like I was yeah. listening to your your Instagram influencers blog post, uh, not blog post, sorry, podcast episode the other day. Yeah, and it, like it's still super relevant. Clearly, it's just a matter of picking the right ones. Yeah, and so what was I know so many people have questions around Instagram influencers and. One of the things that I find is that, especially these days, it is very much kind of a hit and miss situation. What was kind of your strategy around the whole influencer marketing campaigns that you ran? And tell us a little bit about kind of your experiences, good and bad. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Where do you this start? could be a long episode. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I think one of the safest ways to start, especially if you have no capital, is seeding product into as many micro-influencers as you can and mm-hmm. testing out different niches because what you think might actually work is, can actually be the complete opposite. Mm. We experienced this firsthand, except we didn't do micro influences. We paid quite a lot of money for the posts and the girl that we thought was going to work didn't. And the girl that we sort of just gave a bit of money to and thought, well, it's worth a shot. Yeah, actually performed exceptionally well and ended up being one of the influencers that we worked with long term. Wow. So I think the biggest thing with getting started with influencers is finding the niche that fits your product and your company and then you can scale it from there fairly safely. Yeah, right. And so what did you look for in an influencer and and then obviously with the one that ended up working, you know, working out, what was it that made her so successful? 
it's a little bit difficult to say now because it's changed so much, mm-hmm. but the common to like ratio is still really important Yeah. as well. I would say I don't use any influencer agencies or any influencer tools because it doesn't allow me to get into the influencers community and actually see how they interact with them. Yeah. If they do it all. And also the sentiment of the community towards the influencer is really important. Mm. So what I typically look for is comments that have more than one sentence. And I want to see that the, the community really cares about the influencer, that they're asking them questions yep. and even that they're referring to other content on other platforms because mm-hmm. Instagram is actually very shallow and surface level. And a lot of the value provided is off the platform. If the community, if the influencer has a really great community like mm. YouTube or Snapchat or a podcast. Yes. So you want to see that um, interaction by the community bringing in the other platforms content. Yeah, no, 100%. And then what about in terms of like your organic Instagram strategy? Was that obviously 2015 was <laughs> a really good time for organic Instagram, but um, I know that a lot of e-commerce stores are still really heavily relying on that. What sort of part did that play? And then do you have any tips around kind of e-commerce businesses these days kind of and what they should be doing with their organic Instagram strategy? Yeah, absolutely. So the it's it's really uh, people think it is different, but I read your content and it's really not that different. The only difference is that you often don't show the personal side of mm-hmm. the business. So, for yeah. example, you wouldn't show my face as the founder of Trefiel, although we did make that decision to do that in the end. Oh, so you're um, saying the difference between product based and service based on Instagram? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So like typically you don't have the face of a company like you would with a service business. Yeah. But I mean, the strategies are still the same. You still want to be providing value. You still want to get people commenting and sharing information about themselves on the post so that you can learn more about them and provide like a better product or a better service to them. Yeah. And so what sort of split, because the one question that I often get with um, product and I've got my thoughts around service-based, it's very much kind of like, you know, 75% of the time it needs to be connection and value type content. And then, you know, 25% of the time it can be selling. And, you know, I imagine it's different when you've got a product that obviously, you know, you need to be promoting it a little bit more. What sort of split would you normally kind of recommend? Honestly, I never approached Instagram as a place for us to sell product. I always yeah. considered it a place where we built our community and gave them, yeah, gave them a place to hang out. We did shout outs for products and everything and we did post product images, but our tactical sales, like revenue generating methods or channels, it was never Instagram as an organic platform. And I yeah. think that's the reason why we built such a big following not that big but big enough um, yeah on the platform yeah yeah and I think that's kind of true isn't it regardless of your business it's very much building a community so you know Mm. getting people passionate about what you do whether it's you know you as a person or whether it's your product or whatever it is it's kind of really kind of building something around what it is that you do so that's really exactly and as well one one other thing to add is it really depends as well on the product like I've noticed that there's a big difference between the way I would set or I would create a community around Trefiel to how say a clothing company would do it. Instagram is, 
is, like I mentioned, very surface level, very shallow. And if you can sell something with an image, then you don't really need to explain it. Yeah. But with the skincare product, there's so much more to that product, like what's inside it, how it affects the skin, what mm-hmm. type of skin it's good for, Absolutely. that it can be a little bit more complex to, yep. to cover that. Yeah, a hundred percent. And yeah, that just, it's such a good kind of, um, yeah, I guess reminder that product-based businesses are not all the same. You know what I mean? Mm. Like it's, you know, it's really important. Um, so that's a really good point as well. So what about Facebook ads? Tell me a little bit about your strategy with that. Uh, we had a pretty aggressive Facebook ad strategy, I would say, um, just because the influencer channels were working so well. A big part of our Facebook acquisition was actually retargeting because much of the influencer traffic wouldn't necessarily convert on the first visit to our site. Yeah, and that's a really smart strategy. Yeah, so we had quite in-depth retargeting funnels um, that would take them through various pieces of content designed to bring them into the brand, help them see that a face mask would help them with their skin and then ultimately convert them into customers. Yeah. And so was that something that you guys were setting up yourselves? Did you have an external agency helping you? How did it all kind of work in terms of the rollout? Uh, We made a few mistakes. We had... We hired a couple of different people on various occasions to run the ads and it performed terribly. Really? Yeah, no good. Yeah. Um, I think it's really important if you are an e-commerce business to make sure that people are sending you results that they've gotten for other e-commerce businesses, especially if you can get them in the same niche as other skincare companies. Yeah. Um, Ultimately, we ended up running them ourselves. My business partner did it and, um, yeah, we kept it all in-house. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's really devastating. I actually, it's something that happens more than you would probably think. Um, Yeah, I mean, Facebook ads can be so incredibly powerful. They can also be a complete flop. It's just, you know, it's the same as, you know, a singer and their microphone. It's really about, you know, the quality of the singer. It's not about the actual tool, which is the microphone, if that makes sense. Totally. Just throwing that out there. (laughs) Uh, um, So what I kind of wanted to go into next was retention because obviously as an e-commerce business, retaining the people that are actually coming to you and buying from you is a really important part of the puzzle. What were you kind of doing around that and what sort of successes and maybe even failures did you have around that? Yeah, retention is a really big part of it. And I think as well, like most, I think the average retention rate for most online businesses is 20% and we had 40%, which is... that's something to be proud of. Yeah, it's one of my biggest accomplishments. I think I'm very, very proud of what we did. And I think it was a big, a big part of our success. The biggest things that helped with our retention were marketing campaigns specifically designed to re-engage our customers into the brand. And we did that with a lot of different tactics. One of the ones, one of the campaigns that we ran gave away subscriptions to our subscription service, which was a monthly box delivered to your door with everything that you need inside to take care of yourself that month. Love that. Yeah, giving away subscriptions to that by by leveraging the uh, 
existing list that we had, as well as in incentivizing other things which would build our community and our presence. So, for example, we incentivized reviews. And on that point, I just want to make it really clear, it's actually illegal to incentivize five-star reviews, but if you make it clear that you're open to all reviews, yep. that good or bad, um, it's okay. Yeah, right. That's, That's really interesting. That, yeah, that really helped us a lot. We also did a major giveaway to Bali with one of our stockists. And I would highly recommend to any e-commerce businesses, if you have retailers, to partner up with them and and help them help them build their business while at the same time building yours. It will deepen that relationship significantly. And it will also give you a really cool opportunity to do something cool for your customers. Like yeah. Everyone wants to trip to Bali. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. In that instance, we, we had one of our best months ever because the, the gateway to entry was a purchase. Right. Almost all of our existing customers plus it helped us acquire new ones. Yeah, right. And so in terms of the uplift, obviously uh, requiring a purchase in order to, you know, win something like that, is that something that did actually get people across the line? So they were actually going, yep, cool, I'm actually going to buy or I'm going to buy more as a result of that? Uh, Yeah, absolutely. We had... um... I'm just trying to remember. I can't remember the email rates for that, but it was exceptionally high. We re-engaged almost all of our previous customers as well on our closed community channels, such as Snapchat. We were seeing 22% conversion rates on our swipe up snaps. Yeah, right. Which is insane. Our conversions on the the acquisition channels, such as Facebook ads, and the influencers were significantly high as well. Using Using incentives as leverage to increase purchases is a is like one of the best things that you can do as an e-commerce business. Yeah, right. And so that's basically collaborating with others or is it kind of, you know, is it other things as well? No, you can, you can, so we've run, I, I break down campaigns into three types of campaigns. You can either give away your own product or your own information. Mm-hmm. You can give away other people's products, like a, a brand giveaway where you partner up with like-minded brands in similar niches, mm-hmm. or you can give away a major prize, which is basically a third party prize of any sort that is hugely valuable to your customer. Yeah, cool. And so what else around retention? Um, I know that kind of when we were chatting earlier, you were mentioning things like chatbots as well. Yeah. So we never actually deployed the chatbot. Um, We had a couple of other things going on behind the scenes, but the chatbot, chatbots are so incredibly effective if you have spent time building up your Facebook page because the conversion rates and the open rates are four times as high as what you have in email. It's just They're pretty incredible. much 100%. Everyone opens them. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. And I guess um, on the flip side, you've got to be careful as well because you don't want to annoy people with, you know, such a kind of intimate form of messaging. That's right. That's right. There's a company called School of Bots and they are a part, they are a partnership with ChatFuel, which is one of the chatbot services that allows you to build a bot drag and drop, which is one of the, one of the easiest ways to do it. Yep. Um, so they run a school on how to do e-commerce chatbots properly, not to annoy the customer, not to get flagged by Facebook as a spammer. And I would highly recommend that course. It's very, very good. Yeah, cool. Just so you can actually get in there and do it yourself, which is great. 
Exactly. And the other thing for retention, obviously, is um, email marketing, automated email funnels. Yes. So a big fan of anything that's automated. 100%. (laughs) (laughs) And that's kind of like, I think that's a piece of the puzzle that a lot of people forget because they get so, you know, tied up with the social media side, which is obviously where, where people are sort of hanging out. And the whole point is obviously to get people off social into email. So I see a lot of people giving away product on a platform for let's say comments or tags of people um, tagging people in the comments and I don't actually think it's that effective or that valuable for you as a business to give away a product in exchange for that mm. I always say to my clients that you should get them off the platform onto your list as a oh, way to enter speaking yes. my language <laughs> yeah. yeah do that because if you're giving away product you might as well get some value out of it And then from there, um, and much like you have your social media strategy and I've loved reading all your content, I've worked so much about doing my own um, personal brand from that stuff. Cool. Um, But what you want to do is you want to have two types of email marketing. You have one which is like a a rotating schedule and it's not automated but it's part of your marketing calendar where you send out offers and... um, regular emails to stay in touch with your customers. And these can be in the typical form of e-commerce emails. Mm -hmm. Um, Very basic, designed to sell the product, not super intimate. And then you have the other um, prong of email marketing, which is the automated email funnels. And you can do so much with these. Like if you, if you have a automated email funnel to re-engage people, if they haven't purchased in 60 days, you can do a heap of stuff with that. Uh, you can, you can do interesting things by segmenting your list based on what they purchased. And so for example, with Trefiel, if they purchased a single mask, we would then have a funnel to get them to a four mask pack. We would then have another funnel to get them onto the Panther Club. Yeah, right. So what this kind of says to me, like as I'm listening to you talk, Lucy, is that there is so much work involved in kind of, you know, the whole shebang basically, like the social media side, email funnels, Facebook, engaging external agencies, like the whole (laughs) (laughs) And I can imagine, you know, some of the small businesses listening will just be like, oh my gosh, I just feel completely overwhelmed and I don't know where to start. Do you have any advice around that in terms of, you know, how you actually really facilitated all of this stuff, how you managed, you know, so many different priorities, so many things on your plate? Yeah, it's definitely tricky to do. And I still, I still think time management is something that I struggle with a bit, but I've come up with this. Yeah. (laughs) I think everyone does. Yeah. Um, I come up with this framework and I, I live by it diligently. So how I think about it is like this. I have four categories in my project management software, which is Trello. You can use basically anything. You could use pen and paper. And those four categories are 0 to 100, 0 to 50, 0 to 25, and then like um, admin, I suppose I would call the last one. Yep. And what I do is when I sit down and I get ready to work on my business on growing it, I write a big list of all the tasks I could do. So let's say I'm starting an e-commerce business. I could do influencers. I could do Facebook ads. I could do email marketing. I could do automated email funnels. 
And then what I do with each of those is figure out which category they fit into. Now, Facebook ads has the ability to massively explode my business. So I'm going to say that's going to go into the category zero to 100. Mm -hmm. But implementing a automated uh, customer service email funnel, for example, that's probably not going to increase my sales by very much. So I might put that in zero to 25 or the admin category. Mm. Once I've categorized all my projects, then I will sit down and break the amount of time that I work. So let's say that's 40 hours a week. I wish. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like a person in their own business working 40 hours a week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I take that 40 hours a week and I break it down into four. So 10 hours for each category. And then I prioritize, always, always prioritize the zero to 100 projects until they are done and fill the rest of my time with the rest of the projects. And that means that, yeah, and that means that the projects that you're getting done and that you're spending the most time on are going to have the most explosive impact on your business. And you can fit in the other tasks like social media or um, implementing a automated customer service funnel in your spare time. Haha. Yeah. That's yeah. Funny. <laughs> so what did you put? I know everyone will be wondering what you put in the, um, what was the top one? Zero to a hundred. Like what were the kind of biggest movers for you in terms of, um, Trophiel? So I always put in zero to 100 the things that are, have the most potential to scale my business with the least amount of work. So for that, so like basically for any business that is ads, paid advertising yeah. on pretty much any platform, and that includes influencers, it includes LinkedIn ads, Pinterest ads, like anything that you can think of where you have the ability to scale once you see some traction, mm-hmm. that's going to be explosive for your business. Yeah. Zero to years of more sustainable growth and I would consider that as like your email marketing and focusing on your email list you can scale the number of people that come onto your email list um, but you don't necessarily you're not necessarily able to scale the amount of revenue that you make from that email list at, yep. at the time if that makes sense it does yeah um and then the zero to 25, I just see that as incremental growth. So for example, putting in an email form on your website, implementing a new content strategy. Like I really believe in the power of social media, but I also don't think it's the thing that's explosive. Hmm. Yeah. It's a consistent kind of thing that you need to be doing. It's a long-term play. I completely agree. Yeah. Yeah. And so is there anything else, I guess, in terms of processes and internal things that you were doing during that time that helped you out? What I've got in mind is outsourcing because I know we were talking about that a little bit earlier as well. And I was talking about how I'm getting to the point where I'm getting completely overwhelmed with all the things. Mm, Uh, All the things. Yeah, (laughs) with all of the things. And it is like, you know, when you've got scheduling social media and blog posts and all of that sort of stuff. And I was talking about, you know, potentially looking at uh, having a VA come and join me. And that's something that you were saying that, you know, really helped you out as well in those early days. Absolutely. I would say that for most people, even if you can't afford like someone to help you with the social media or someone to help you with your marketing, you can afford to get someone to help you with the admin because it's just going to clear up your time so, so much. Um, The other thing is before what I talked about having a fourth category for admin work, 
I think it's so important to keep that 10 hours, let's say you're working 40 hours, keeping that 10 hours to document the in, the internals of your business mm. because it was only because I invested that 10 hours of time each week into doing that that we were able to outsource pretty much everything inside our business that didn't involve marketing. Mm. So all the shipping, all the um, inventory management and uh, all the customer service and we were able to relocate to first Bali and then we went to Europe and we were still running the business. Wow, that's impressive. For yeah, so business, it's e-commerce. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I it, like where possible automate. There's so much and this is one of the perks of being a programmer. Like there are so many things that I can write little scripts for that I don't have to do anymore. I can just type a command into my computer and the script automatically takes care of it. But even if you're not a programmer, there are so many options for automating as much as you can in the business. And if you can't automate it, write documentation and delegate it because yeah. you don't have time to be doing the, rep- the repetitive stuff. There are people yeah. that can take care of that for you. Totally. And I mean, that frees you up to do the zero to 100 stuff as well. Now, I'm mindful of time. So just one more question before we finish up. My specialization is really service-based businesses and, you know, like I work really, really closely with them, which is why I was so keen to have you on to talk about the e-commerce side of things. Is Mm. there anything that I've missed that you just know that, you know, all the e-commerce businesses out there that just absolutely want to know what they need to do to really get momentum in terms of their marketing and have the successes that you had with Trefiel? Okay, so a lot of e-commerce businesses don't want to show their face because they don't want to be the face behind the brand and they don't want to be attached to it in case they want to sell it. But I didn't really see any obvious traction and and love of Trefiel until I started putting myself out there on Snapchat. And it, it completely changed our business. People really love knowing who's behind the company, who does what. So showing your team members, even if it's not an intimate relationship with them, Mm. like for example, with an influencer that carries their phone to their face all day, every day, and you know them so deeply, Um, showing the behind the scenes of the business, showing that there's actually people working hard to make it happen. That is so interesting. People want that human connection. And when you can give that to them through a brand, they just fall in love with you and they never stop falling they never stop loving you yeah and I guess that differentiates you from the big guys as well that are just kind of these faceless products it kind of makes you know it kind of humanizes your brand a little bit and it's just a person-to-person thing you know like you want to kind of deal with companies that you feel like you resonate with and you can do that by showing your face Exactly. Yeah. Well, I think we'll leave it there. Thank you so much, Lucy. I know that all of the e-commerce businesses that have been crying out for an episode about them, relating to them in terms of their socials and how to grow, uh, will be really, really grateful. So thank you. My pleasure. And uh, even though I'm not consulting as much in e-commerce anymore, I'm still really open to answering questions or sharing information. So if anyone does have any questions, or needs any help, please reach out to me. I'm more than happy to do that. So how can people find you? I am on Instagram, Lucy underscore Bloomfield. And you can take a look at my website, which is Lucia, L-U-C-H-I-A dot com dot au. Amazing. Thanks, Lucy. My pleasure. 
And there you have it, guys. That is the interview. Now, remember, if you want to download that list of priorities all put together in a Trello board for pretty much everything that an e-commerce business needs to consider in terms of propelling their business forward, acquisition, retention, the whole deal, head to steviesayssocial.com forward slash 19 and you can grab that there. All right. I will leave it there. Until next time, guys, I will see you then. Bye.